welcome back to the Behind Net Podcast, and uh, it's it's a really it's a really good time for sports right now. I mean, the Olympics just started um, on Friday night. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. technically, they, they I, you know they they have like events that start before the opening mm-hmm. ceremonies, which is kind of weird. But the Olympics have started is is the point of it, and there's just so much uh, there's like so much to do, so many sports to to watch twenty four seven. And then, yeah, we, we can't forget about like the, you know, the, the, the sports that we cover on this podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot to talk about. Um, but yeah, welcome back to the Behind That Podcast. Um, as usual, it's your two, uh, two hosts, Matthew and Michael. Hey, guys. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we have a lot to go over this week. Uh, I think this episode is going to be a bit more hockey focused. There's a lot's been going on in the hockey world. We won't be ignoring the other sports, but uh yeah, we just have a whole lot to talk about. So, uh, first, uh, before anything, how how are you, Michael? How's your week going? It's been good. Uh, my internship has been taking up a lot of my time, but that's to be expected. It's it's, you know, I'm really enjoying it there. Uh, I wish I could be watching sports a little bit more, but uh, that's life. When you work in sports, you basically cover, watch sports all the time. Yeah, I mean, I I, I completely feel that, and we can't complain because, uh, I mean you know, watching sports is what we do. So <laughs> the fact that it's, it's our job, like that's cool enough, but yeah, no, I get what you mean. Uh, sometimes you want to like watch, uh, and like just kick back and watch some of the sports too, instead of just having to do it for work, but you know, no complaints, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, How about you, man? Pretty good. It's been, uh, it's been super busy. Uh, yeah, just working, uh, Olympics is underway. So, uh, a lot more time, uh, going to work and things like that. But, uh, yeah, like I said, no complaints. It's still awesome. Like I love, I love it every day. And uh, yeah, so uh, and and like I said, sports, the sports world has just been going crazy right now. A whole mm-hmm. lot to talk about, a whole lot to keep us entertained. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, should we just get get into it? I mean, other than that, oh, I was gonna ask, uh, have you been playing any video games? I'll be honest, I haven't even had the time to play anything right now. Just been primarily FIFA twenty one and uh, Warzone. Nice. The, the, the war zone's been usually with uh my good buddy nick barden shout yes. out to him shout out to nick uh, our good friend uh, uh i've been wanting to join in but i've just been so busy but i'm definitely gonna join in um yeah definitely <laughs> but yeah please uh, do because yes. the streams uh, we we missed you on the streams yes for sure um but yeah i think we have a a big episode uh this weekend and a whole lot to talk about so uh mm-hmm. how about we kick it off with uh some hockey talk um michael i'll let you decide uh do you want uh, the, the topic you want to talk about first we could either get specifically talk about the leafs or there's uh quite a few other things that happened um around the nhl well let's just start with the good stuff uh and the, the, one of the big news from this past week was uh a Na- nashville predators prospect luke prokop uh coming out as gay which yes. I thought was absolutely awesome. And the amount of support Same. that he got from the hockey community was absolutely outstanding. I, I, I don't think I've, I've ever seen this much positive response from uh, a hockey player's decision to come out. Because I don't think we've seen many players do this, or actually ever. A hundred percent. And uh, this speaks volumes to just the position of uh, like where we are, we're at in sports with uh, athletes coming out. Um, I, he's the, he's the first active NHLer ever to come out, um, you know, while he's active. Um, and I can't recall 
even in the four major sports. I know uh, just recently um, there was an NFL player that uh, that came out and he became the first um, NFL player to uh, active NFL player to come out. Mm-hmm. And actually, when looking at the four sports, I don't think there's ever been uh, other than these two right now, um, an active big four sports athlete come out. Um, and that's mm-hmm. huge. And that speaks volumes to just the culture that surrounds sports and, and the co- kind of culture we're, you know, trying to get away from and become more mm-hmm. accepting culture in um, each and in each and every single sport. So, um, yeah, like, I, you know, there's been so much overwhelming support and it's awesome to see. Sometimes you see the people that do say, uh, you know, like, why does this have to be a big deal? Things like that. Um, the, the, it's a big deal and it always should be a big deal because like I just said, like this is, you know, we haven't had this before. So it has, um, there is every reason to celebrate it. Right. So um, mm-hmm. it, it's a huge thing and uh, it's a historic thing. And I'm so happy that, you know, um, he came out and all the support that he got from the hockey community from uh just the sports community. I think I read that uh, Elton John reached out to him. Yes. Um, that is awesome. That is awesome. So, uh, yeah, and uh, big shout out to the, uh, the uh, football player that I was talking about, the NFL player that I was talking about is uh, Carl yep. Nassib. Um, yeah, He came out. And, uh, and, yeah, like, it's just amazing to see because um, just historically in sports and sports culture – um, everything that goes on there, you know, you could tell, and, and former players have, former players of different sports have come out and said this, you know, it's, it's it, like there, there are gay players that are usually active in their leagues, but it is not a culture that, or at least historically, um, it hasn't been a culture that they felt comfortable coming out in and move like things like this, like progresses, the culture forward so like improves the culture progresses it forward in so many ways so it definitely deserves every ounce of celebration it's i'm, I'm just so happy that it happened absolutely i I'm, I'm totally agree with you on that and i'm, I'm just glad that the uh, the hockey community was a lot more accepting of it we're, we're definitely making a lot more strides in that department hopefully more players, not just in hockey, but in other sports in North America and around the world, are more comfortable coming out and uh, speaking their truth, which I think will do a lot, of, a lot of good for the betterment of uh, sports as a whole. A hundred percent. Um, yeah, like, just it, it speaks volumes. Like, even when I, I the how I'm explaining, like, I feel already is underestimating how um, important and huge this is. So, like. Just take my word for it. Like this is this is great news, and and I really want to see, um, you know, not just hockey culture but sports culture move in that direction, um, and becoming more accepting. And uh, we love to see it, and we'll celebrate every single time. Oh, I def we definitely love to see it. You know, we hate to see the uh, situation with the Blackhawks and uh, the Montreal Canadiens this past week. Those things have just the Blackhawks situation has gotten significantly worse, and then Montreal. Don't even get me started. Yeah, it's been uh to say the least, it's been a, a polarizing week. You know, it's been up and down, some good news and then um yeah, a lot of uh bad news, you know, coming out of left field. Um mm-hmm. but let's start with the Blackhawks situation. Um so uh if you want to pull up the the details about it, um 
but yeah, it's just been getting worse um, from what I've read. Um, just a lot more information has come out and it is not, is not good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't honestly feel comfortable talking about uh, what this uh, mm -hmm. video replay guy did to one of the Blackhawks players, but I can assure you the listener who hasn't seen it, hasn't re read yet. It's as bad as you think it is. And, yeah, and I, the I, fact oh, that this, this detail came out uh, just makes uh, their, the Blackhawks uh, saying we ha knew nothing of it. It uh, just makes it all the more uh, appalling and all the more uh, unacceptable. Yeah, and I was going to say uh, we will, this is a, a trigger warning. We will put that in the description as well. Um, and we won't go into detail, but um, just because, yeah, it, it is some really bad stuff. Um, but I think we can both agree that we're still waiting on the Blackhawks to, you know, speak on this. And it's really, it's really upsetting. Yeah. The part, the part that gets me is that some of the players mm -hmm. made fun of this, this, uh, this person, this player that's, uh, suing the Blackhawks, which I, I honestly think is super uh, disgusting. Like, I can't believe that there are even some players that would think it's something to poke fun at and when you when you hear that uh everyone in the organization knew about that it just really comes into question how many players were really trying to support the uh affected player and who who were just trying to make uh belittle him for something that he had no control over which is super super unacceptable and it forever tarnishes all of the goodwill an organization gave to that city back in 2010. In fact, I think it puts into question all of their cups since 2010. Mm -hmm. I honestly genuinely it, believe it that there's really tarnishes it really tarnishes that entire team, you know. Um just the reputation of the team and everything they accomplished during that run um of years is tarnished, you know, because something like this um is just so bad like it, it takes precedence over any achievements you know that they did because any achievement that they achieved um is not as important as you know these like what what happened here essentially you know and i, I know i'm finding it hard to find the exact words to say it's just it's just, it's just a terrible situation and like you said the fact that so many players knew and you know it goes back to we were just talking about hockey culture and sports culture and just it not being the most nice the most accepting and just a very toxic culture in total in general you know and we see, we see it on display here absolutely yeah and and just the fact that uh, the blackhawks have not fully committed to an investigation that's fair and from outside the organization that they want to do it themselves it's it's they're trying to jet they're trying to sweep this under the rug and hope that uh, nobody uh, uh, will uh, remember it for, for 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 long and just for just move on from it which should not be the case people should continue to press them for uh, speaking up for 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 why they didn't do anything about it and why they've been uh, trying to sweep this story under the rug because it's 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 unacceptable and I honestly think that the Chicago organization needs to be held accountable for their actions. Mm -hmm. And that starts from the top. A hundred percent. Um, like I said, we're not going to go into the details of the new details that emerge. I'm just, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking 
it over right now and it's some really you know tough to read stuff too and um Mm -hmm. if you are interested like again um just you know a trigger warning um um for sexual assault and uh, a little and some violence as well but uh yeah just uh you like if if you're interested you can find it online but we're not gonna be talking about the details here but yeah it just i think that the note we're leaving on is uh although investigations are still going on um we're still waiting for the blackhawks to you know um be accountable and and say something at least you know make us like like speak about this don't just turn Mm -hmm. a blind eye to it absolutely and uh we got to shout out like two reporters that come to mind rick rusthead and katie strang who've been Mm -hmm. doing an excellent job of reporting the story and continuing to report this story because uh, not a lot of uh, reporters have been uh, fully invested in trying to get mm-hmm. keep this story in the public conscience, and th- those two are leading the forf- leading that uh, push to make sure the public does not forget this story. So shout out to them and all the other ones. All right, and in other hockey news, uh, some more bad news coming out uh, on Friday night, and uh, I'm just gonna put a trigger warning here. Um, mm-hmm. Again, sexual assault, um, and uh, yeah, like we'll put in our description as well a lot of trigger warnings in this episode so um yeah um but on friday night um it was draft night and uh things were going good it was the first round of the nhl draft um and it was almost over the first round and uh the montreal canadians at number 31 selected uh draft prospect logan mayu and uh the problem with that pick is that he I'll, i'm gonna summarize what happened again uh i don't want to undermine the severity of what he actually did um just because i'm summarizing and i'm putting in a shorter form if you want the full details um it's been reported very widely um and i'm not going to go too much into details but again not undermining the severity of uh what happened um and the charges but essentially he when he was playing i believe it was in sweden um, last year or last season, um, he basically during an intimate time with uh, a young woman, he took non-consensual photos. Um, he sent it to his, he shared it around with his teammates. Um, I believe when I was reading, it was on their bus ride to a, a game, I believe. And uh, he also shared the, pro, his, her, the, the woman's profile. And uh, again, it was non-consensual. Um, she, uh, word, you know, word started spreading, and uh, she was unhappy about it. Of course, um, it was very wrong what he did. And uh, long story short, she uh, pressed charges, and he was charged. And uh, yeah, and more so, he didn't uh, take accountability. Uh, he didn't really show any remorse um, at all, and he ended up saying that he doesn't want to he doesn't feel like he deserves to get drafted and he basically vocally it was it was i don't know if it was was it the day before the draft or a few days leading up to the draft he basically said i like i don't know if it counts as a formal withdrawal from the draft but he basically said um you know he told teams not to take him um in the draft this year and mm-hmm. The Montreal Canadiens um, ended up selecting him 
in the first round, which is an extra layer of why this whole situation is um, just messed up. And I'll add a little on that. Um, supposedly, reports came out that teams were looking at him regardless in later rounds of the draft. But the Montreal Canadiens went ahead and selected him in the first round. Um, and that just speaks a lot of volume to the privilege um, that being good at hockey apparently holds despite being despite you know doing something of this caliber of this and severity um and an action that you know really really adds to the toxicity to the to the unwelcomeness of hockey culture um that even despite something like that he still has the privilege to get selected in the first round um but before before i start the discussion michael is there any are there any other details that i might be missing out on um that you want to um emphasize or or or, uh talk about we should definitely talk about the immediate aftermath from uh from that selection obviously pretty much everybody from the media to the fans uh condemned the pick and uh, bashed it for how idiotic and uh, disheartening that that selection was and why they would do it mere days after the player himself said he didn't feel emotionally ready to be drafted and the response that uh, the Montreal Canadiens essentially gave as to why they picked him was because of his skills as a hockey player and that just goes to show you how little a lot of the hockey culture is about uh, trying to make uh, people feel safe and inclusive. That they only care about the player's skill set. They don't care about trying to make people feel comfortable. They don't care about looking after the victim. They, they certainly don't care about the fans who will definitely feel unsafe around this team. Like I could totally understand why a lot of uh, Habs fans would want to be turned away from the organization because of this decision and like every uh, there's so many reporters that were condemning the pick and i was surprised at the mental gymnastics that some fans had in trying to justify why it was okay for him to be selected because there is no excuse for it like he shouldn't have been drafted he should have uh, been more sincere in his apology he should have uh, given the understood the severity of his actions because it's come out that the victim her the victim herself said that he did not give a sincere a sincere apology. He said that she he she was uh, threatening his career and she said I think it was quote, quote for quote that he does not understand the severity of his actions. Yeah, this is just an awful situation that the Montreal Canadiens should have avoided. And this de- you know what? Mark Vergevan was one of the uh, higher-ups in the mm. Blackhawks during the 2010 season. This if anything, this makes his uh, lack of uh, understanding or uh, knowledge of what happened to that video coach come into question because he definitely has given a reputation for an, a toxic environment or, or a toxic group of players simply because they're good at hockey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I've heard, of course, I want to say, uh, like, um, we apologize if... Uh like anything we say comes off as undermining the situation again no we're just trying to summarize it's just there's just so much layers to this situation like it's insane there's so many problems 
from every single decision that was made in this in this selecting of him um that if we um if we miss a, a, an aspect or anything uh yeah like it's just there's just so much but i have a lot to talk about um because it's just a it's just an, an, a crazy situation all around just a problematic situation all around so many things wrong with this um like where do we even begin right um i think I'll, I'll begin like going off the point of you said like just the privilege that comes with just being good at hockey um i i just looking so basically after the montreal canadians selected him they had they put out a statement kind of to as a defense about why they picked him um first off like the fact that you had to put out a statement to mm-hmm. defend a, a a draft pick um probably says something about whether it was even a good choice to select that draft pick um but i think the the polarizing thing as, as well um or the, the thing that you know is really problematic in that statement too is the very first thing that they kind of talk about um is that he is a a promising hockey player that's the like the, that that's the very first thing they mention about him and then secondary to um that he's a, a man that this is quote by quote who recently admitted to making a serious mistake so clearly again it goes back to the privilege of being good at hockey this action that really should if it was anyone it should be something that they have to take accountability for if it was anyone um that you know it's expected that you take accountability seriously like this is a very serious situation too um and that if possible like like you might have to face that you like you might have to lose out on opportunities because you do have to face consequences but um what montreal is basically saying is uh we know you you even we know you even tried to uh withdraw your name from the draft but hey it's okay (laughs) you're good at hockey we still want you that's the real problem that's what i find a really big problem is the privilege that he gets because he's good at hockey um when he should be taking uh accountability and seriously and uh i i think i also saw a tweet from bob mckenzie um talking about the final line of the statement um where it says we are this is his tweet so he says final line of the statement we are committed to raising awareness among our players about the repercussions of their actions on the lives of others and he says that'll be met with um a lot of disbelief because from a hockey perspective my you face no real uh repercussions i mean he's a he's a first rounder i mean maybe he was he would have faced repercussions if his name was withdrawn um but by montreal going and selecting him they basically turned a blind blind eye to what to the severe actions he'd he committed and you know said you don't have to face any repercussions it's okay and that's the real problem and that's why it's so detrimental to hockey culture yeah and the worst one probably one of the worst things uh, or at least the biggest sign that uh, there is some disagreement within the organization of whether or not this pick should have been made um, there was a an interview yesterday with the Habs assistant GM uh, Trevor Timmons, and he was asked about uh, why 
they have selected Melnux in spite of him saying, I do not want to be drafted. And what followed what was over 20 seconds of pure silence. Mm-hmm. He couldn't come to come up with an answer. And it was incredibly telling just how badly they messed this up and how how little regard for the victim they have if they're only thinking about the skill of the player rather than uh, his character, which I think has to be of the utmost importance. And this is what, the second uh, draft in a row that an NHL team has drafted a player who has had serious character issues because they did some heinous actions uh, off the ice. And they were given a chance to get drafted. And said team says, we want to uh, correct a mis- correct a, uh, help him get better because he, he just made a mistake. A mistake is uh, walking out of a room and forgetting to turn off the light. A mistake is buying too much food at, at the grocery store. What Logan Mailnox did is not a mistake. It's a, it's, a, it's a literal crime, and he got fined for it. There, he can't just simply go on with his career until he's shown that he is seriously remorseful of his actions, and he's done the steps needed to grow. He has not done any of that. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to have shown any remorse, and for that reason alone, he should not have been drafted. And if, if I'm being completely honest, I think the NHL should renounce this pick. Because it has, there has to be a precedent for off ice character uh, or off ice stuff like this being uh, the sole reason why you're not playing in the NHL. Because you can't just overlook what a player does off the ice and think, well, he's he's good at hockey, so we have to have him on the team. Character is super important. It's just uh, it's much more important than just being good at hockey. If you're a good person and you're a good player. It's amazing. But if you're a great player, but a horrible person, then he shouldn't be mm-hmm. being hockey because it's a privilege to be in this sport. Exactly. And they they've lost and Logan Mailnox has lost that privilege. And the fact that Montreal is willing to turn a blind eye to him just to let him be on the team because he's going to help uh, improve their power play is despicable. Exactly. And uh I think we also want to say uh you know um the real, you know, the real person we should be talking about is the victim in the situation uh the young woman um and that you know this is definitely probably even more harder on her end um right now she actually faced the real repercussions and uh yeah like i mean all we could say is that uh we're we're thinking of her in this whole situation and other the other uh survivors of sexual assault that um are in uh, no doubt um affected by this uh whole ordeal i mean going into how like detrimental this is to hockey culture which we already know is has been problematic in itself and and very unwelcoming we've been talking about this for the the entirety of our podcast since we've started it it's been something that's been very important um Mm -hmm. just how unwelcoming it is um at times and this in itself think of the um all the fans that are women um all the sexual assault survivors that are hockey fans. Um, what does this, um, what does this show um, about hockey culture? It shows that hockey culture, the NHL, um, is turning a blind eye to sexual assault and to 
you know, to the safety of women and just putting privilege on hockey players who are good at playing hockey. And that's that, right? And that's where the real problem lies is that um, when things like this happens, when, when things like these happen, um, the privilege just shines through and mm-hmm. and you know it doesn't set a precedent for like if these issues happen again what's the nhl gonna do what's hockey gonna do right they're mm-hmm. just gonna repeat the action of turning a blind eye and giving them a slap on the wrist and saying it's okay when we go back to how we started this hockey conversation about Luke Prokop and how he got so much uh, positive uh, uh, love and support from the community, that is what ho- the hockey community should be and what it can inspire to be, a welcoming community for all types of people, nationality, sexuality, all that. And what these two stories, the Blackhawks and the Montreal Canadiens show us, is that there's still a lot of work to be done in order to get to that point. So this this is a this is a continued uh this is a yet another reminder of how much work there still needs to be done before we can uh, make hockey really live by the sentiment that the NHL keeps up instilling in us that hockey is for everyone. As of right now, it is not. A hundred percent. Um. Like I said before, there's just so many layers to this whole decision, this whole situation um, on Montreal's part and just overall. And uh, again, we apologize if we missed out on any details. It's uh, a lot to summarize in a short podcast, but uh, trust me, we're not trying to undermine the severity or anything. It's a very severe situation, and uh, I I really hope we see some justice come out of this uh, um, in the next few days, some uh, like you said, maybe the the pick getting renowned, something, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, well, I mean, like, I think leaving on the note that, um, you know, really thinking about the survivor here um, and, you know, uh, the survivors of sexual assault and just hoping that things really have to change in hockey culture because, like you said, we take one step forward with the Luke Prokop news and then one step back and we're it's very hard to move forward in a hockey culture because it's just it, it's it's very it's very tough yeah I guess that's basically the, the best thing to leave it off on that uh, hockey culture needs to change needs to be better and w- what I would love to see is that happen in our in, in our lifetime that hockey culture is beco- becomes what we hope it should, what we think it should be, but we're still a ways away from that happening. And like I said, the news with the the Blackhawks uh, continuing to roll out, and Montreal's uh, idiotic decision to draft a noted sex offender, just shows we're still a ways away from that becoming a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll leave it off on that. If uh, if you wanted to read any details, um, it's widely reported online. So uh, there's that. Um, but yeah, so, uh, off of that note, I think we shall start talking about, uh, the Leafs. I think, like I said earlier in the episode, like to start the episode off, uh, a lot of things hockey related, uh, that weren't really about the Leafs is the main focus. And that was what we focused on. So I think 
every I think like the Leafs a lot of rumors a lot of things going around we'll 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 get through that um pretty mm-hmm. briefly right now first off goodbye Zach Hyman um honestly one of the real uh, amazing Leaf during his time here but as we know reports have come out that he is going to sign with the Edmonton Oilers he has confirmed or his agent has confirmed that um he is moving on from the Toronto Maple Leafs and I believe he is signing with the Edmonton Oilers I I think it's reported somewhere either seven or eight years at 5.5 million um we'll see what if that contract is accurate in the next few days but yeah I mean just what are your thoughts on this I mean I'll say like I mean Zach Hyman he's a core member of the Leafs group uh forward core like he's he's been such an important member of the core um but hey he played great here um he gave he always gave it his 100 percent um he was a very important uh piece um Toronto fans loved him and he earned every every dollar that he's earning and um from a Toronto perspective maybe it might be a little bit too much to pay and that's probably why they're okay with letting go it it makes a lot more sense for the Leafs to let go in this sense um but for Zach Hyman congratulations right like he earned every dollar of that pay raise and uh it's Mm. good to see him get that and free agency and Edmonton Oilers uh are getting a, a really good player um who will likely really help out with their two um superstars you know he's had experience playing with uh austin matthews john Tavares, um getting pucks to them being uh just a really grindy really hard-working player and mm-hmm. uh connor mcdavid and leandro's idol could uh really use that over in edmonton so that's gonna be interesting yeah is losing zach common going to suck for the leafs absolutely is he replaceable irreplaceable sorry uh i don't think so mm-hmm. i think you could totally find another zach hyman that comes up. That's up to Kyle Dubas now to figure out who's going to be the next Zach Hyman. Mm-hmm. He's one of those players uh, that, like, he is a core member. His role is a like you said, kind of replaceable. But it's one of those roles where it's like when you have a good one, um, you'd like to keep him rather than have to give yourself the headache of replacing it. You know, but mm-hmm. it's possible. It's possible to replace him. I understand why why Kyle Dubas was trying his best to keep Zach Hyman in the fold, but. Zach Hyman wanted to get paid. This was his best opportunity to do so. The Leafs were probably were, were not going to commit to a lot of money for a lot for a lot of years, and and Zach Hyman's uh, party was wanting to get a lot of money, and so that's why he's going to go to Edmonton. Now there were rumors that uh, the Leafs wanted to do a sign and trade so they could get some value back from uh, Zach Hyman's uh, free agent rights, so that uh, Edmonton could get that eighth year on the contract, but. The price, from what I've heard, is is a is a low draft pick, like a sixth, fifth, or sixth round pick, which you never want to get back for a player that's given so much for your organization uh, for so many years. So I understand why Kyle Dubas is very uh, firm on his uh, asking price of a of a little bit more than just a, a fifth, sixth round pick. And uh, if the Edmonton Oilers are not willing to do that, then they're going to have to wait until uh, July, July 28th and uh, give only tap, give Zach, sign Zach Hyman to a seven-year deal and pay even more money. Yeah. And uh, that's, I guess, basically, they're all deserved to say about that. Zach Hyman's been a great player. He's done a lot of good for this organization, and his play style is uh, something a lot of fans uh, loved. He'll be missed. 
but uh, it's time to find the next one. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that we'll just have to leave that up to Kyle Dubas to find out um, who he will replace Zach Hyman with. There's uh, some caps cap space freed up uh, for this uh, off season. So uh, the Leafs are going to go shopping. Yep. Um, it- I was going to go. Do you have anything else to say? Uh, otherwise we can move on to the next uh, topic. I, I could help you uh, t- uh, transition to the next topic because uh, there was a player that a lot of fans were hoping would be the uh, mm-hmm. replacement for Zach Hyman, but uh, that has not been the case because uh, of the recent expansion draft that uh, <clears throat> that just re- that just passed, and that is of course Jared McCann, who was acquired for a very small package of uh, Philip Hollander and a seventh round pick in 2023 and the Leafs made the decision to expose Jared McCann along with Alex Kerfoot and McCann and ultimately became the player that's uh, heading over to the Kraken by the way underwhelming draft by the Kraken um I guess really what I want to ask you Matthew was did Kyle Davis make the right decision to expose Jared McCann or should they have tried to keep him in the fold there's so many different viewpoints on this and honestly like like I felt all the emotions about this uh, decision that Kyle Dubas made, and I've, I've started to become more neutral about it. And pro- probably now that time has passed, um, because you could look at it as so many different perspectives of why these decisions were made. For one, picking up McCann, um, I guess in Kyle Dubas's defense, uh, it obviously in, in in the best hopes to keep you know your core players together Kyle Dubas went out and basically got a player that he can take a gamble on um to see if you know they'll take him it, it really was because if he didn't acquire McCann um it's a hundred percent you know you're losing Alex Kerfoot with no replacement he was pretty set on I think the real polarizing decision here that a lot of people had a lot of where it started, a lot of uh, kind of discourse on was uh, protecting Justin Hall. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, disagreement there. Again, you can see from both sides, you know, uh, the Leafs, you know, finding those top four defensemen. They've had a lot of trouble in the past. There's not a huge market on it, on top four defensemen. Uh, uh, he, Justin Hall, has a, uh, a decent contract. Um, Kyle Dubas probably felt it was less of a headache it was easier to protect the defenseman and go after the forward like uh and have to replace a forward possibly um if he didn't acquire McCann um yeah I mean it was essentially going to be losing Kerfoot with no replacement acquiring McCann it was and and we spoke about this McCann honestly look he, he was going to be if if the Kraken took Alex Kerfoot McCann would have been an upgrade, an underrated upgrade for mm-hmm. uh, that position. So, I mean, we everyone thought that was a genius move uh, when it looked like the Leafs would have a chance to keep him. But then you got to think the Kraken, of course, obviously is going to see it the same way and choose McCann over Kerfoot. See, the, the, the in Kyle Dubas's defense, obviously, it's the 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 decision he made was it's better to take the risk of finding the replacement and seeing which of the two they take because they took McCann 
And we know that now they took McCann and the Leafs still have Kerfoot. If they didn't take McCann, if they didn't acquire McCann, they would have lost Kerfoot and they would have had nobody. Um, I think the Leafs can be happy that all they had to give up was Hollander and a, and a, a seventh. It wasn't, it was essentially a, uh, spending that much to ensure that you still have your third line center. I think at the end of the day, that's basically the basis of the whole decision. And in that way, I think it was a, it's, it's a smart decision in that sense. But on the other hand, um, it, it, yeah, like leaving McCann exposed because that was actually an upgrade to the position and it would have been a very good upgrade. And, um, it's just, you know, Alex Kerfoot is a player that the Leafs pretty much, it seems like they've moved on from, um, I don't think he has a future really with this team. I think the Leafs are looking for an upgrade. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think they really just really took that gamble to, uh, they they took that gamble hoping that Seattle would take Alex Kerfoot. Of course they didn't. But like I said, from looking at both perspectives on one end, it sucks because um, the Leafs kind of lost out on the gamble. But on the other hand, um, taking that gamble was to ensure that they at least still have a third line center. Mm-hmm. So I see it both ways. And uh, I want to know your thoughts. Uh, like I said, my feelings have went more neutral now, just th- looking at things that way. Um, what, how about your, I think I, I'll add in, I think uh, one thing that really got people also upset that I've seen was just the fact that, he he did lose the gamble. He he lost the risk, which is obviously not going to sit well with Leafs fans. You, you take a look at Montreal; they took a big risk exposing Carey Price, but they ended up winning that that gamble. Right? Um, it went exactly the way they wanted, and it's unfortunate that the gamble didn't go the way the Leafs wanted it to. But um, in the end, I I I I try to think of it as you spent a seventh and Hollander to ensure that you still keep. Um, your forward core together. You, you still, you, you don't, you don't have to end up filling a hole like that. I'm based. I wrote an article, uh, the day after the expansion draft about, uh, weighing the options in favor and against uh, the Leafs' decision to leave Jared McCann exposed. And essentially the reason why they shouldn't have exposed him is because he's a good player. Mm. The anal, the analytics view him in a very high light and he could have been a good replacement for, uh, uh, Zach Hyman, in a sense that he could be a reliable scoring option, but the case for is because Kerfoot and uh, Justin Hall have a role in this team for penalty killing, and all signs are pointing to Zach Bogosian being gone. So if Ker- if Justin Hall is the person that ends up going to Seattle, then all of a sudden a, a significant chunk of your penalty kill is gone. In addition to Zach Hyman, who's mm-hmm. already uh, moving on to Edmonton. So in that sense. The decision to leave Jared McCann exposed, as long as Kerfoot was kind of a necessary evil, because now uh, Kyle Dubis, with the roster basically protected, can make the moves that he wants to make. And there were uh, rumblings that uh, Kerfoot was going to get traded. Not sure what for, but there was going to be a trade in some way, shape, or form. But my, I essentially left the article with this. I understand why Kyle Dubas had to do what he did, but I don't like the move. I, I don't. I don't agree with it mm-hmm. because I do want. Uh, I 
do think Jared McCann could have been useful to this team, but it's in the past. Now there's still plenty of uh, ways for at least to make improvements uh, in the off season. I just think that the, uh, the strong and harsh reaction from a lot of the fan base is just because this is yet another, uh, a promising player taken away from from a team that's uh, just lost had their biggest uh, collapse yet, and mm-hmm. I just think that uh, it was it was going to boil over in some way. Yeah, I have a couple questions. Uh, they kind of stem out in, in multiple ways, but let's say that the Leafs decided to protect McKen instead of Hall, um, and left Hall exposed. Do you think? I have two questions then that off this situation. Do you think um, Seattle selects Kerfoot overhaul or Hall over Kerfoot? And then my second question is, if they did select Hall, how easily do you think the Leafs can replace him? Well, I, th- I de- there were reports that uh, Alex Kerfoot was the player that the Leafs that the Kraken were going to take from the Leafs before the trade for Jared McCann happened. And as we saw from that uh, from those that leaked video, plus the one that actually came out uh, for the expansion draft, the Kraken were still seriously considering uh, Alex Kerfoot, at the very least. So, in that sense, if Justin Hall and Kerfoot were up for grabs from Seattle, I think Kerfoot would have been the player that gets taken. And uh, it's just to, I guess, go over your second question, which was... What was your second question? Oh, Sorry. My second question was, uh, so yeah, you, you're basically saying that uh, if Hall was exposed, you think they would still go after Kerfoot, which would, mm-hmm. um, but my second question is, uh, let's say in the situation that they did select Hall, mm-hmm. um, do, do you think that's, e- like, do you think Hall would be easier? Because obviously we know Kyle Dubas protected Hall because he had a, a feeling that if he exposed him, they would pick him up. That's why. That's obviously why he protected him. Um, mm-hmm. And my question is, do you think the Leafs, if he was selected, do you think the Leafs would have a hard time replacing Justin Hall? I don't think so. Because uh, you have to look uh, in the organization who's uh, ready to take the next steps. Uh, look no further than Rasmus Sandin, who uh, finally got some much-needed playing time in the latter half of the season and into the playoffs. Yeah, he uh, made some mistakes in one in a couple of the games. Uh, he didn't. He looked like he was still inexperienced, but uh, Rasmussen didn't. Looks like he's going to be part of this this team long term. And of course, the other one is Timothy Lilligren, who um, who still has yet to make a significant impact on the Leafs with uh, Zach Bogosian on the way out. And if if in the scenario that uh, Justin Hall is also gone. Then this is the perfect opportunity for uh, Timothy Lilligren to step up in his place. Mm-hmm. So I I think in some sense I don't think the Leafs would have any trouble with replacing Justin Hall, and if they want to look for a player that's of a similar play style to Justin Hall, they could easily sign somebody in free agency. Uh, one name that immediately comes to mind, and I do I'm not trying to be make a joke here. This is a very serious suggestion. Luke Shen's available. Mm-hmm. Luke Shen, Leafs legend, Luke Shen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, I agree. There's definitely, obviously, we know Kyle Dubas felt like 
protecting Hall was the way to go. There might be the possibility that he would have gotten chosen, or he just didn't also, he felt like it would have been harder to replace him. But yeah, there's just so many ways to go about this decision. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just going to leave it at it. And then, you know, the, the, you know, the gamble, the, the dice didn't roll the way, like in the least favor. And, uh, you know, the, the, the team is still intact. So we just have to see what, um, what he does with Kerfoot and Hall this offseason moving forward, how he's going to, I think Kerfoot, especially that third line center position needs an upgrade. So he might have to mm -hmm. look for other avenues now. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll, we'll fully understand this, uh, whether or not the Leafs made the right decision until we've seen, um, <clears throat> all of, uh, all their, uh, all their off-season moves. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why I was having a hard time saying no, that, uh, saying those words. Yeah. We'll, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep moving forward. Uh, just to cap off our Leafs, uh, our Leafs segment here uh, with free agency. Uh, just super quickly, we know that Kyle Dubas had mentioned that he wants. Uh, he's looking for goalie and forward depth. Uh, just super quick. Do you have any names uh, that you know in free agency uh, to? speak on that the Leafs could be looking at? Well, I know I've mentioned his name many times, uh, part because of a joke, part because I really want this player, but uh, the Lightning last week did say that they <laughs> are willing to trade Blake Coleman's uh, contract rights. I sent you that, and I was like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I know. It's uh, it's definitely crazy to think that uh, the Lightning are willing to give up one of their, their best uh, middle six forwards for, for very little. Because they can, they know they can't afford him, and he's probably gonna go sign somewhere this this uh somewhere else this summer. Um, yeah, no, I think Blake Holman would be an excellent addition, but uh, if it's not gonna be him, because part of me thinks he's gonna sign with the Dallas Stars for a lot of money. There's a player named uh, Warren Fugel, who a lot of people mm -hmm. are uh, saying could be a great addition. Um. There's a guy named uh, Michael, I think, what is it, Michael Bunting, that a lot of Lee fans really seem to love. I don't know enough about him, but uh, if he's apparently good, then uh, why, why not? Mm -hmm. um, I don't, this is a, this is definitely an offseason where Lee's are not going to make uh, too many uh, major splashes. I just really, I just can't see it with how little cap space they have. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest thing is they're going to find a goalie. James Reimer is up for grabs. Yep. I, yep. I do see a fit there. Um, they could bring back David Riddick. I just don't know if he's shown enough to justify that. But yeah, no, I I definitely see a lot of forwards and a backup goalie being added for sure. Especially because now that we know what the schedule looks like for next season, there's quite a bit of back to backs, and mm -hmm. there's a back to back immediately at the start. And we do know that it's pretty much it's no surprise that it's, it's looking like the Leafs will move on from Freddie Anderson. Jack Campbell will be the starter, so it's all about just increasing that depth um in the in the crease um and the last thing i was going to say is uh it might be a little tough with the uh flat cap this off season and uh mm -hmm. as we've seen with the trades that went down uh trade markets going up so uh you know options are kind of getting more limited a lot more pricey so we'll see mm -hmm. what the leaves do um we'll move on uh i know this podcast is going a little long so uh we'll just briefly mm -hmm. speak about the next parts uh for basketball we will talk more about basketball next week the draft is this week so 
next week mm-hmm. we'll have a lot more to talk about of course the raptors have the fourth overall pick there's rumors of them interested in trading up um but as of right now these are just rumors we'll just quickly uh kind of skim over they're looking at of course either way the the main prospect they're still looking at is jalen suggs who will likely fall to number four um there's been rumors about evan mobley um you know uh jonathan kaminga uh just anywhere within that three to five range um the raptors have been rumored and uh, right now it's just rumors there's just so many mm-hmm. rumors there's rumors that the raptors were looking to trade up trade down um you know like all we know is that they're gonna they're gonna pick a player <laughs> we don't yes. know what masai ujiri has up his sleeve he might feel like but again like he has such a great track record with drafting i think what a lot of raptors fans want to see is him keep the pick because we know he all he's he's been getting steals at like like pascal siakam was like like 27 and like like non-lottery picks but like what can he do with the top five pick you know that's why it would be very if he could do that with like a 20 something pick what can he do with a, a top five pick so i think that's why it would be so interesting to see him keep the pick but we'll see what he feels is best so that's the there's not a whole lot of substance to that rumor, but uh, we'll see what, what the Raptors decide to do. Now, this one's interesting. There has been reports uh, I, from both ESPN and Bleacher Report that uh, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan um, are possibly looking uh, individually. They individually have us. So I don't think it's like they, you know, they spoke to each other. Like, wouldn't it be cool if we went here together? But individually, they both have shown interest to going to the LA Lakers. Um in free agency they're both free agents and they both are showing interest there um is first i don't think i don't think it could happen because the like his cap space not a thing how's how are the lakers gonna afford that but i don't know it, in the end let's let's say it can happen somehow they make the cap work is that something you would want to see or, or what's your reaction to that if that was to happen well first off about the uh, rumor about the raptors trying to trade up in the draft I do respect their commitment to trying to improve the roster for next season because there's no better opportunity to do that than now. I do think they'll be a playoff contender next year. But as for Lowry and DeRozan potentially going to uh, the Lakers, I, my immediate reaction is the Obi is a line from uh, Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith, where Obi Wan is uh, telling uh, Anakin Skywalker, "You were supposed to uh, destroy the Sith, not join them." Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about uh, Lowry and DeRozan potentially playing alongside LeBron James. I I I think it'd be interesting, but a part of me it would it would not sit right. It would not sit right with me seeing those three playing together. Yeah, I mean I think it. it we know DeRozan's from LA. There's always been rumors of him going to the Lakers. It was his team growing up. Um, I think that's I, I like. Kyle Lowry going to the Lakers. I know the Lakers have shown interest. I don't know if he would make that decision. I don't know how that would fit, but just the thought of Lowry and DeRozan teaming up again, like it's just cool to see, you know, like, you know, get DeRozan that ring. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. I think it would be cool if Kyle Lowry is to leave the Raptors, which it is looking likely. But uh, yeah, I just, I don't know if that could actually happen realistically. Like maybe, yeah because the report was individually they both want to go maybe the lakers can get one of them um i think it's a pipe dream to get both of them to team up <laughs> yeah i could see derozan more likely in in all honesty 
I think uh, the 76ers are in a position where they do need a point guard a lot more, especially with Ben Simmons as potentially on the move. So I think uh, Lowry will more likely end up on the 76ers. But that's just me. Mm -hmm. We'll just have to see. Uh, Yeah, I mean, especially... With the Ben Simmons rumors, I think they, I think Kyle Lowry would be the perfect choice for them with what was going on. And then last thing in basketball, we'll just talk about because it happened today. USA basketball in the Olympics, a little bit of Olympic coverage here. USA basketball losing to France. Let me pull up the score. Um, this It was uh, 83-76 uh, France defeated USA. And this was the first, um, this is a huge upset because this was the first time uh that the united states have lost in basketball since 2004 that's Damn. a 25 game olympic win streak for the the uh um, for the american basketball team men's basketball team um that is crazy but i i think it speaks volumes to how like how how much basketball is progressing globally which i think is great right um for one, we're getting a lot more talent in other countries. I mm-hmm. mean, look, like Giannis and Tedekumpo, which also, uh, huge congrats to the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis and Tedekumpo. What yeah. a crazy series. We didn't even talk about that. We'll talk about it more next week. I think we'll have more yeah. of a basketball-centered episode next week. But I'll give a huge shout-out. That was an insane series. Giannis yeah. and Tedekumpo, he basically completed the NBA at 26. Like He's probably a top 25 player, top 30 player right now. Um, I hope he wins more. Yeah, and no, it's just the beginning. (laughs) It's just the beginning for them. Really, he signed long term. They're in a great position, and uh, they deserve it. This is this ring is so important. (laughs) Absolutely, in terms of weight. But um, anyways, yeah, like you see Giannis and Tedekumpo. Um, you see Nikola Jokic winning MVP now. Like those are the that's those two may account for the last three MVPs. Um, basketball is growing, and now I guess it's no longer where you know USA basketball can show up and uh, like to the Olympics be like they're playing pickup um because no like these the, there's a lot of talent in other countries so on one hand it's crazy that USA lost but on the other hand like real props to the other countries because basketball has talent globally now absolutely agree i i i totally uh agree with everything you just said i honestly think that basketball is has continued to grow in a lot of ways and this past year has uh, proven just that. And I'm looking forward to seeing an even more competitive field at the uh, 2024 Olympics when hopefully there'll be more fans in the stands uh, watching the games. Yep. It's going to be it's gonna be a really great time. Um, but yeah, we'll see how the Olympics pan out. Uh, I think for one, this just, this made basketball a lot more interesting <laughs> for the Olympics because like I said, it's no longer just the USA coming in, playing like they're playing a game of pickup basketball and dominating it's going to be really interesting um for men's basketball and don't even get me started on women's basketball that's also going to be absolutely amazing our canadian our women's uh canadian basketball team is out there and let's hope that they can take it home the gold medal absolutely yeah hopefully they, they can uh, follow through on that for sure uh so we'll round things out with uh baseball super quickly um just because we're running short on time but uh yeah the all-star game happened um blue jays had uh i believe four four players um selected the all-star game uh marcus Semyon, teoscar hernandez vlad Guerrero jr um and bo bichette and uh vlad Guerrero jr i mean it was an all-star game just as we 
you know, not too much to talk about with the All-Star game, but the real significant thing is uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. won the All-Star game MVP, uh, youngest to win it. So that's something big, something promising baseball. We talked about this last week. Baseball is really in such a great time right now where these young stars, um, young stars who are international stars, especially a lot of international stars, which is great for the sport, um, mm-hmm. are, are dominating. And uh, it's just an exciting time. So, Absolutely. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm really excited for the the future of, of baseball. And uh, if anybody, and that includes Stephen A, thinks that uh, players like Shohei Otani can't be the face of baseball simply because English is not their their first language, uh, need to give their heads a shake because baseball will only grow if it's if it's more inclusive and has more fun players. Shohei Otani makes the game fun. He is the uh, face. Vladimir of Guerrero makes the game fun. Yeah. Uh, Fernando Tatis makes the game fun. Cunha makes the game fun. I could keep going on with the mm-hmm. names. Just, I just, this just goes to show, baseball, is, uh, is on the rise again, um, and there is a lot of great talent that's going to make this league a lot more uh, exciting to watch for fans that have been turned away because of the slow pace of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of uh, more, welcoming more fans, and I, one thing that we should quickly touch on is the Cleveland uh, uh, Redacted cha- finally changing their name. Mm-hmm. They are now going to be known as the Cleveland Guardians. Now, I my brief uh, response, like reaction to this, is uh, I w- wasn't sure about the name. I know there's some historical connections in the city of Cleveland, mm-hmm. but for me personally, I would have gone with the Spiders. It it's a name that has been used already for Cleveland baseball teams. It would have made for a cool logo, and Spiders is just one of those things you never really see in sports. So. Mm-hmm. Missed opportunity in that front, but I guess a lot of fans in Cleveland like the name, so I can't really judge them too much for it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Spiders would have been cool, but at the end of the day, um, I I would like any team that's not what it currently was or formerly was now. You know, like this. The, what what really matters is that they made the the this uh, they made the change. Um, they 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 changed it from um, a name that was uh, you know offensive to. Uh, to indigenous people and uh it was a a needed change and honestly they could call themselves anything right like anything that's not offensive and uh, like that's all we cared about that's all that's yeah. important the the product on the field doesn't change they could be called like anything like literally <laughs> they could be called anything and the product on the field doesn't change and that's what really matters but so uh, the guardians uh and uh, the fact that it has actually the fact that it has a historical i think i saw there's like guardian statues in cleveland i don't know the full history but yeah uh, it has a history behind it it's pretty cool makes it a little cooler um spiders yeah would have been cooler but yeah at the end of the day i don't care too much as long as it's not an offensive name you know that's yeah that's the that's the whole point and i think the logo is pretty cool yeah yeah one more thing i'll add to this is that uh besides cleveland there's been a bunch of minor hockey teams that have uh, also changed their logos to be not offensive so i guess it gets what I'm trying to say is, when is Chicago going to do this? Because they're essentially the only North American team that has yet to change their name or even change their logo. So, mm-hmm. clock's ticking. Oh, yeah. 100%. So, uh, yeah, we'll see with that. Um, that, yeah, but uh, from I'm leaving on the note that that was a overall, and then that, that was a needed change. So, can't yes. complain too much about it. Um, mm-hmm. Finally, I'm going to, I think we'll close it off with, uh, we're, you know, the second half is underway in baseball. Um, the Blue Jays 
you know, they it's it's a rocky time for them right now. They they still have holes uh, with pitching and the the trade deadline is just around the corner. Um, just at the end of the month. So uh, Blue Jays still need pitch uh, pitching. What do you think? What do you think has to happen before the trade deadline? Can't stress enough the importance of adding bullpen arms or even just an additional starter. If they don't, they're going to miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If they do, and they do it in time, there's a chance they could sneak into the wild card spot. Yeah. But uh, as it stands right now, I, I'm not feeling too confident about the Blue Jays' chances to make the playoffs. Yeah. Time is ticking. The uh, the division is very, very good and very tight, and uh, it's kind of slipping away from them right now, mm-hmm. with every yeah. game that passes. So uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, the Blue Jays will have to act fast if they want to turn things around. Yeah. One more thing, because uh, next week I think we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the Olympics and maybe some other soccer stuff. But uh, Matthew has been watching yes, a lot of uh, Drive to Survive, which yes, is awesome. Been. And I think we can safely uh, say that he is now a Formula One fan. I am. It's so interesting. And like, I'm still just watching the show, so I still have to make the jump into now watching it in like following it very closely in person. Um, but I definitely want it. I'm definitely going to definitely going to. Yes. I can't wait to uh, have a, a more in-depth uh, reaction to the next rate, which is, I believe next Sunday, August 1st. Um, I will say that the race last week was very controversial because there was a major crash between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen and Verstappen suffered a concussion. And Lewis Hamilton went on to win the race, which a lot of people think he didn't deserve, but he also did get a lot of uh, racist remarks. But good on uh, the uh, Formula One community for uh, condemning it and uh, calling it out and uh, so giving the support to Lewis Hamilton from those racist remarks. But all I can really say is this this racing season has been absolutely outstanding so far, even though I've only briefly uh, seen it. I just can't wait to, to watch the next one. Mm-hmm. For sure um yeah i'm definitely gonna get into following it um i'm gonna finish the show as well uh it's still busy time so hopefully soon but yeah i'm looking forward to it it's it's definitely so interesting hopefully next week we'll give you some analysis on the hungarian grand prix which is the the next one yeah Uh, and i'm still still in ruby though (laughs) yeah don't worry i'll help you out along the way but yeah uh i think we'll end it there uh it's been a really big episode uh really important episode uh, a lot to talk about and yeah we'll be back next week uh, i think we'll talk more about basketball now that uh i think hockey had a really big week this this week and basketball is gonna have a really big week next week and yeah. yeah um you can follow us on twitter here's the twitter shout outs uh on our podcast uh twitter at behind the net pod you can follow tweet me uh on twitter at matt underscore rodrigo underscore you can follow me on Twitter at the least IMO. And uh, in addition to uh, basketball talk, be sure to tune in for us uh, reacting to some of the first few moves of free agency in the NHL, uh, hopefully the draft, and uh, of course some other interesting things in sports that uh, we're keeping our eyes on. So be sure to tune in for that. For sure. Next week's going to be a good uh, good week in sports. Uh, and let's not forget the Olympics, of course. That's always going. There's going to be a lot to talk then. Um, yes, so we'll see. Absolutely. But until then, uh, yeah, we'll uh, talk to you all uh, next week. And uh, go Team Canada. Go Team Canada.